Yeah, yeah, I'm just about to have that chat. So, okay. So, hi everyone. Um, so, just everyone, if you can mute, keep yourselves muted, um, moderators. Just um, welcome back to um, the next episode of uh, Paul H's Reflections on the Twelve Steps. Um, and just to remind, as Paul said, that this is not an AA meeting. So, we are going to be recording this. I'm going to be putting it on um, Spotlight on Paul, so your face will not be seen if you have any worries about that, or you can because we've seen all your faces now, you can blank it out, but you know, it's, I don't think it's gonna be a massive deal. Um, and just to remind everyone, if you haven't been here before, what, how this works is we just, Paul will do a talk, he'll focus on the steps that we've been talking about, and then there'll be a Q&A, but it's not, and as much as I know that you want to, it's not a share thing, it's not a, a share back thing, because we do sort of run out of time, because it's so engaging and so interesting, a lot of what he talks about, then everyone wants to, to pile in. So just, you know, just try and remember to keep it on what we're talking about today, if that's okay. And um, without, and just remember, if you want to share, you should raise your hand in the old um, participants box there. But without um, further ado, I'm just going to find it. Paul, Where, where's he going? Oh, there he is. All right. Right here. Yeah, there you are. And it's over to you, mate. Hello, everybody. I'm going to say Paul Alcoholic just in the spirit of the of the community so uh today we're going to go over steps eight and nine so i'll just read step eight and nine so eight and then then again this process of recovery the 12 steps is a linear process so usually the one before creates the conditions for the next one so step eight made uh made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. And then step nine is made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. So um, step eight, when I, when I was, my sponsor took me through it. First of all, step eight doesn't, there'll be stuff that doesn't come out of the fourth step inventory because I've harmed people and there was no resentment or fear concerning it. I stopped, you know, stole from a store or something like that. So basically there may be some additions to the list that weren't found in the fourth step. So um, do the list and, you know, it's all in the book, but the way I was taught is, was to put ones that you would, you're willing to do today ones that seem to be a little harder and then ones you're never going to do and make a list. And what my experience of it was, as soon as I was willing to do the list and stuff, I started running into a lot of situations I had been conveniently avoiding for years. And, uh, and I usually had a similar reaction for the first few times. So I'd be driving in San Francisco and I'd see a guy walking down the street and I remembered I'd owed him money from an old phone bill when we were uh, roommates. And my first inclination was to take off, just make a left and keep driving. But then AA sort of came in and stopped that. And then I pulled over and I called him over and I gave him the money. So I made amends to him. Uh, I didn't have to go through a whole thing of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping I won't do this to any other person. It was just pretty simple. Just gave him the money. And, of course, when I left, when he left, I felt a lot lighter. And that's usually the reaction I would experience. 
And the lightness that would occur told me, in a way, how heavy it had been. So the way I was dealing with people I had harmed and all that stuff was trying to avoid it and distract myself from it, forget it, deny it, tons of ways. So my managing capabilities basically turned whatever I am into like a storage unit. And there was so many undealt with stuff and all the windows was closed. There was no circulation. And it seemed like a large part of me was dead, really. Basically, I didn't feel uh, just a large part of me was dead. And the, the selfing, the mental condition, basically kept a lot of that evidence from me. And so it went on managing and avoiding and distracting and forgetting. And um, I'll give you a couple examples. I remember this was, I think I used this, but I'll use it again because it, it made a lot, it showed, showed me a lot. So when I was out there running around, when I drank, I found out very quickly I had magnetic appeal to people in uniform. So I started to have a lot of consequences. And the alcoholic of my type was, I was willing to pay any consequence tomorrow not to feel uncomfortable now. And I would keep trying to put off the feeling of those consequences with the denial and the avoidance and stuff like that. So I would have a lot of shit and my solution was just to make some new shit. Yeah. And then just keep on keeping on with a whole string of piles of shit until something would catch up with me really. And the running shoes were drinking and using drugs. That's what I thought I could keep ahead of it all. So I was, I had been in jail a number of times and I'd been in court a lot of times and I put the two together. I felt like when I got, went to court, my chances of going to jail uh, grew. Yeah. So I decided I was in a lot of fear about this October 10th court date. And so my head gave me a solution to it and said, well, just don't go to court. And therefore, you won't go to fear. You won't, you won't go to jail. And I said, all right, that sounds like a great idea. So I, I skipped the court date, <laughs> thinking I was free and easy. And I was driving my girlfriend's car a couple of days later. And I got pulled over by the police for no apparent reason. They came up to me, and it was like a broken taillight or something. And then they went back in their car and they stay a long time sometimes in the car, the police car. They have a, like a huge story they read about you or something. And then when they come back to the car and they say this, this statement, you're going to jail, which is, uh, we, Mr. Hedman, will you please step out of the car? And then I threw a little tantrum, like, why? I didn't do anything that that. He says, well, you missed the court date. And they, they put out a bench warrant. And when you have a bench warrant on you in America, if you get caught for any infraction, you go right to jail. There's no, you just right to jail. So now suddenly I'm in jail and I have two court dates. So my, my, my solving the fear of going to jail caused me to be in jail and then with two more court dates. This was like the way... This is what I was being led by all day, every day. So you can imagine the bottom I was living on. Yeah. So I've gone now through the steps and I get to step eight and I write this list and I write people I harmed that I didn't have any fear or resentment around or any sexual stuff. 
and I I sat with my sponsor, and then we set off on a course. But really, the course was already set because, like I said, I kept running into people, and uh, so there I was. I was doing my thing, and then there was another situation. When I was out there for a while, I lived in an area called North Beach in San Francisco, and there was a market there called uh, Rossi's Market. And I used to go there every day with a very long, like, trench coat. And I would steal, like, two, two cans, 16-ounce cans of beer and, let's say, like a flat steak or something and put it in my back pants. And that would be my carbohydrates for the day. I'd go, and then I'd be on the search for drugs. And I did this basically every day for months. And I uh, never got caught. So I get sober, and I'm going to – there's a great meeting on Thursday night in North Beach. And in San Francisco, parking is a premium. It's very difficult to find parking. So I would drive to that meeting, but I'd never go down the street where Rossi's Market was on. I just wouldn't go there. I just avoided Rossi's Market <laughs> like it was the plague. And then one day, it just got to me. I said, I'm just going to go there and make amends. So I went to Rossi's Market, asked the check count, uh, checker, uh, where's the manager? They sent me upstairs and I sat down with the guy and told him, hey, listen, I used to live around here. I stole a lot of stuff from you. I really don't know how much it's worth. So I'm going to give you 55 bucks. So the guy was surprised. And then I, I left. And then from that point on, I never thought about Rossi's market ever. Yeah. Rossi's market had been taking up a lot of space in my little storage unit, that dead zone. And it got it got free, yeah, by just showing up, just showing up, making the amends. Rossi's market has never been thought about again. And I'll drive quickly and easily and take a parking space right in front of that freaking market. So that's the spirit of it for me. And the ninth step was really uh, just was profoundly uh, – it set off a lot of, a lot of good reactions. And again, you know the problem from the solution. So AA talks about um, a day at a time because how much time is involved in the disease of alcoholism. So when I, uh, when I started to show up and, and deal with the past in a much more sober and sound manner, I got freed just exactly like it says. You're not going to shut the door on it, nor are you going to do something else about it you're gonna be like put in a position of neutrality concerning the past because you cleaned it up. And so, and then, uh, so basically there was a couple other things I wanna share about it. I had a lot of one night stands, let's say, with women. I didn't, when I did the fourth and fifth step, I didn't search out every woman I ever had a one night stand with. I basically was willing if I ran into them, but I didn't feel I was that important to actually take a trip to Europe to find Melissa in uh, Southern France. <laughs> I mean, I just, so what I did is I wrote a letter, basically, you know, like almost a group letter saying da 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 da. I put it in my drawer. So I was willing to go to any lengths, but I didn't feel like I was called on to go to any lengths. Yes. So I made the amends. So step eight, I used it, and then the things I was never gonna do, we shared about it, I think, last week, 
when I did the fourth step, fifth step, it's not really an amend, but it was. I had two outstanding warrants for my arrest from a county called Alameda nearby where I live in Cal Northern California. Now those, I had been in the jail over there called Santa Rita. I never wanted to go back to that jail. That jail scared the hell out of me. So I didn't want to, so when I did the first fourth step with my sponsor, I said, I'm not freaking dealing with these warrants. Forget it. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. And he said, all right, all right, just let it sit, and then let's keep, continue on. And so weird how life conspires, because, all right, I'm never going to freaking do it. So after about a year, I'm still in AA, doing the, doing the deal, and uh, I meet this woman, and this woman, want, you know, we, we, she wants to go out with me. Unbeknownst to me, she's an assistant attorney general in San Francisco. So she checks out my my uh history and she sees i have two outstanding warrants and so she brings it up to me and she says hey paul you have two outstanding warrants in alameda would you like any help and maybe we can clear them up yeah and so nothing had changed the warrants had still been there but my willingness had changed by being in the program something that i was completely unwilling to do or to deal with i was now willing to deal with it in just about a year later yeah this is, the, this is the progress of recovery. Recovery isn't a stagnant, I'm not drinking or using. That's not drinking or using. Recovery is a progressive event, yeah? You, you progress in the recovery. So, and usually in the beginning, there's a lack of willingness. There's a willingness, but there's a lot of lack of willingness. And those areas where the lack of willingness was planted gets that gets changed over time. So you're at, you know, you get brought to a position where you're willing to do something you were never willing to do. You don't arrive there yourself. I believe the program brings you there, to tell you the truth. So step nine probably had one of the biggest effects on me because I was totally, totally occupied by all that shit I hadn't dealt with, seriously. I mean, if you looked at it as lung capacity, I was maybe taking in about 10% oxygen. 90% was just the dead zone, yeah? And I was, you know, basically, I was living, you know, the, the square, you know, the game board squares, maybe there's 64, I was living in about five, yeah? I was very, very, and that's just not living, yeah, to me. So it's very difficult to progress in recovery by holding on to your old habits and patterns, because they're not yours anyway. They're the, they're the impressions of alcoholism, and they're always presented as yours, so they get to sort of live longer than if you saw them as something hostile and foreign. If you saw alcoholism as hostile and foreign to you, you would have a huge willingness to grow out of it. But it sort of mutes that possibility by our being identified with what it's presenting as us. Yeah? It keeps us, that, that desire to be free has been totally, totally uh, neutered by alcoholism. Yeah? Because we can't see ourselves as anything other than what alcoholism presents us to be. It's insane. So step eight and nine, nine was, I want to go over the, the promises in step nine that uh, a lot of people, no, so I'm just going to read them. 
So this is, we, if we are painstaking about this phase of our development, you know, clearing up the past, basically, and making amends. And an amend isn't really saying you're sorry. That may come up. An amend is a declaration of you being changed. Like, I'm not going to do what I did to you, if at all possible, to any other person. Yeah? And when I do uh, Nine Steps Amends, when I did, I always would mention the program of recovery because that's suggested. So when I went and paid that person back, that store back, I told them, you're seeing this money because I'm in a program of recovery. And then there's one more. I don't know if I've shared this at these meetings because I do a lot of meetings, but there was another one that snuck up on me. It was I was with a, I was hanging out with another guy in AA, and we rode motorcycles. This is my first year, and we had we he had a girlfriend, and I had a hopeful hope hoping to be a girlfriend. And we were we went on a uh, ride. We came back to his apartment. We were going upstairs to his apartment and a woman, an Asian woman with blue jeans on, walked coming down the stairs, said hello to him. She saw us. She had paint all over her pants. And, you know, we go to his place. He forgets something in the bike, goes downstairs, comes back and he says, hey, my neighbor would want, wants to talk to you. I, and I'm a house painter. I'm thinking she wants some uh, suggestions for painting. And so she walks into the living room where we're sitting. And she goes, hi, Paul, don't you remember me? And I go, no. And she says, you owe me $500. So I had, she had moved into an apartment that I was sort of the one that was there first. And so the deposit that was supposed to go to the landlord went to me. And I spent the 500 bucks. Now, she had gained weight, and I didn't recognize her. So there she was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like my spiritual pants fell down. She pulled my pants down, trying to impress this girl and this and that. And there I am. I owe you $500. Now, you would think I would have felt a lot of guilt or shame, but I didn't because I had really gotten the first step. I had really gotten it. I knew that I would have done almost anything to anybody unless you could stop me physically. Yeah? It had nothing to do with her. It really had nothing to do with me other than I was the vehicle for the disease. I wasn't, I don't feel I'm responsible, I'm accountable. And I screwed her over like I did many other people. So when I were looking right at her, I didn't feel any, I didn't crumple in or contract. I was just there, caught with my pants down and I paid her that money. And every time I sent her a check, I told her, uh, I said, the only reason why you're seeing this is I'm in AA, basically. <laughs> so this was some of the, uh, and one of the most incredible amends were living amends. And my mother had seen the condition I was in since I was 13 years old. My mother had a rough ride. Her two oldest kids killed themselves. The third one mm, had, uh, well, they, she had her own dilemma, and there I was, the youngest one. And the youngest one was an active drug addict and alcoholic since I was 13 years old. And I brought a lot of trouble to my mom because of I was arrested a lot in my hometown and a lot of stuff. And so my mother had gone through hell, and all she ever really wanted was for me to be okay. And at that point, 
she knew it had to do with, I can't be doing drugs and alcohol. Yeah, the Paul's a very disturbed character. And so she, uh, we lived like that and I got sober and then she passed away two years later. So she got to see me sober and uh, two years later she passed away. And to me, that was uh, just such a gift that uh, I came, I, I was done before I was done or before she was done. I was done with drinking and using before she died. That was a powerful thing. And the weirdest thing was when she died, I, I was in California. I came back to, to New York and I remembered this, this couple that really showed up when my father died when I was young, when I was nine. This couple came over, took me out to demolition derbies, the father, the guy. And I really, he had a big pressure on me. So I was telling my sister, did you get in touch with these people? And she had forgotten, you know, to have them come to the wake. But they had read about the, my mother's passing in the paper. So I was at the wake and these two people come in. I don't know who they are. And they come up to me and they say, hey, Paul, and they know me and it's them. And they, and they, uh, they st started talking and I said, they said, you're looking pretty good. And they had gotten my newsletter. They knew I was a drug addict, alcoholic, you know. And I said, you're looking pretty good. I go, yeah, I'm in a program recovery for two years. And then the guy says, well, I've got 15 years. And the wife says, I got 12 years. So AA, even before we, all of us got sober, had affected me when I was nine years old. So yeah, it was very powerful. So that's my take on eight and nine. I think if you just read the book slowly, maybe with somebody else who has a little more experience with it, so that it's a very simple book, but sometimes we're incredibly clouded because we have alcoholism and it really doesn't want to get what's being said through the book. Usually it doesn't. So if you read it with someone else, it can be helpful because it's pretty simple and it's a simple directions how to do step eight and nine. But here is sort of the effects that we all share. If you did this in 1935, it's the similar effects in 2020, because alcoholism hasn't changed. All the people's uniqueness doesn't, give, doesn't matter under, the, under the, the spell of alcoholism. The alcoholism is the dominant trait of that person. Whoever that person is, the alcoholism is the dominant trait. Your uniqueness isn't shining through. <laughs> You're just one Ford in a fleet of Fords being driven by the same driver, the parasite of alcoholism. Yeah. And it's funny how a lot of us, this sense of uniqueness is so terminal and stuff. But if you look at our society and you look at thousands of us, all different ethnicities, intellect, whatever, schooling, yet how many of us park at the same three parking spaces? of institutions, jails, and death, yeah? You gotta see there's one driver driving all the alcoholics, yeah? Yes. And it doesn't have infinite amount of traits. The traits were recognized by the people who wrote the book and they passed those recognitions on to us so that we can recognize the foreign pathogen of alcoholism and be free from the bondage of self, to be free from the bondage of self, yeah? because 
the alcoholism is just a, a loud expression of self-centeredness, really. Yeah. So, all right. So on page 83, the bottom of 83, it says, if we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom. And I love the word new. Yeah, I just think that's incredible. It's not say we're going to know a freedom. No, a new freedom. Because we've, we've known a lot of freedoms. Like the freedom that I get from shooting coke five minutes before I hear the police sirens. <laughs> that freedom. That freedom <laughs> doesn't have much shelf life. Yeah. <laughs> so we are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole, our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. And that's, that's, really, that's really a huge change in the program. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly, suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Yeah. Now, to me, this, this is <clears throat> just a description of the effects of being, in, of being in recovery and getting to this point. You can feel some of them before, you'll feel some maybe after, but they're using this as a, a big signpost around step nine. And he's, they're just describing what happens to us under the, under the, the growth and the direction of AA. Yeah. When I read this, it's quite intimate because I've, I've had a deep sense of all these things and it's amazing how clear they described it. Yeah. Because they really weren't pointing it out to eight million or a million different people. They were pointing it out to a million different people with one fatal, seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And so when the parasite lifts off of you, these are the, sim these are the, the, the reactions yeah, that we all seem to have. There may be little flavor changes, but it's basically that. So I'm just going to read it again because each time I read it, it has an effect. So yeah, it's cool. So we are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity, and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. 
fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Now in time, this stuff can keep growing, yeah? Does it mean that self-seeking will slip away all at once right now? It possibly could, but probably our experience won't be that. It will be, there'll be a slipping away. It will be a process and it's the, it's the progression of recovery. So you get sort of a free taste or a taste, possibilities become available and those, those possibilities find fruition to us. So now you comprehend the word serenity and no peace. Now you have the ability to enjoy peace of mind. Yeah. So, all right, well, that's that, I think. Wow, okay. Well, thank you very much. Um, so just to remind everyone, just before we kick it off now, now's the time to ask you questions. I've put a, a message in there as well. Just to remember that it's a, not a sharing meeting. It's a question on what Paul's been speaking about today. Um, and I'm sure he's, he's looking forward to it. This is always the, the really, really fantastic bit when he starts answering the questions like this. Um, also to remember that he's got a website. If you don't know, his website's called zenbitchslap.com. Um, and you can see a load of videos, load of audio, load of reading materials, loads of books there. I think um, and he's got some, a, a really particularly good book on uh, recovery. Is that right, Paul? Yes. Yeah. Under arrest. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's, it's really recommended. So just remember Zen Bitch Slap. And just to say again, we're going to be here every Tuesday and Thursday for the foreseeable future while we're in lockdown and maybe afterwards. So um, that's Hey, great. David, so can, first... I just, uh, can I just jump in there? Sure. For a second. Uh, just for people who are, who just come in who haven't been here, I'm just sharing uh, how I see the steps. So it's reflections on the steps from a member of recovery. And my theme usually is based on I don't see I don't see that I have alcoholism. I see alcoholism had me. I see alcoholism sort of like a foreign pathogen or a parasitical movement. Yes, I am in a sense, truly, I am not an alcoholic, but we say that, but the alcoholism has had me. So a foreign, a foreign, I like to use the word parasitical because it feels like that. The parasite of alcoholism sort of takes us over through the mental state. Yeah, like it says, the problem resides in the mind. And so alcoholism sort of talks to us as us, yeah? And it becomes like our GPS, and now we're directed by it, yeah? We're informed by it, we see through its eyes, and therefore we share that. So we all, that's where we identify, because we've all been taken over by the same parasite. And when there's relief, the relief can seem very similar because it's really not our relief, it's relief from the parasite. And then certain possibilities that were being stunted become available, like comprehending serenity and knowing peace and all that, yeah? So that, that idea that self is what has defeated us, manifested in various ways, is the theme that I see all the steps from. Yeah. So when I did the nine steps, 
obviously I thought I was responsible. In hindsight, I'm accountable for those behaviors that happened through me, but I wasn't really responsible for them because as the first part of the first step says, I was powerless over. So something took me over and used me for transportation, caused a lot of havoc. Now, I'm accountable, just like we use the example of my dog shits on the neighbor's lawn. The neighbor calls me up and tells me, hey, your dog shit on my lawn. I go, okay, I go over there and clean it up. I don't have 30 years of, of guilt and shame because my dog shit on the neighbor's lawn. Yeah, I'm accountable, but it's not me. I'm not my dog. Yeah. So I clear up the mess and then I move on. Yeah. Now I find in, in our community, so much guilt and shame is being harvested all day based on that. You were the doer of those actions while you were out there running around like crazy. Now I believe there's a distinction between accountability and responsibility. And there's a whole lot of peace in that distinction. Yeah. Tell you the truth. So, because usually we're the last, we're the last hook that we come off of, yeah? The last forgiveness is the forgiveness yeah, of our, of our I, I don't even want to use the word self, but our own forgiveness. And uh, I tended to live in like, uh, I was convicted in the mental state based on what I did, and I was serving a long sentence. And that sentence can look like not always not believe I deserve anything or whatever. There's all these mental fucking complexities that go off. So that's the, that's the view I'm, I'm using. So step nine, I, I still see it the same way. Yeah. What I did to that person, uh, I just don't think, I don't think it's what I am. I think it was a, a foreign entity that took me over and used me. And so, I cleaned up the mess it made, and it doesn't seem I'm like making much more messes when it's not there, yeah? As soon as it's lost its dominance, my consequences and resentments and anxieties diminish greatly. So I could, I could, I, it was obvious the, the, the resentments and the fear and all the acting out was sort of very, very much amplified by its presence, yeah? So I know this, I know the problem from the solution. When I got relief, I saw exactly what happened, was happening. Yeah. All right. So that's all. Thank you for listening. Brilliant. Um, just had a quick question just on your sessions. Uh, I know you, you sort of do a little bit of recovery during the week at Zen Bitch Lab. On, is it Wednesdays and um, Saturdays as well, yeah? The times? Wednesday and Saturdays, yes. Yeah. Pacific is... time, California time. So Wednesday we do... Uh, Every night, every Wednesday, seven at night, and then Saturday it's one thirty in the afternoon, and that's a lot of people from recovery, but it's more of a non-duality type thing based on it. So just don't worry. Just if you want to show up, check it out. <laughs> yeah, it's worth it. I, I would recommend it. I, the one thirty-one suits me anyway. So, um, first questions coming from Norby. You're unmuted, mate. Off you go. Hi guys. So it, um, admittedly, I've never gone through all the steps formally, but I've definitely enjoyed the practices. Mostly it's, um, this amends thing. So it's, it speaks to me because I found out a long time ago that amends were essential to healing. I would just, I guess my question is along the lines of formal versus informal 
passing through this. I, I've heard uh, again and again, again, it's important to go through it formally, but maybe you could speak to that since you have also these kind of informal practices or non-practices. Well, I think in a way, The alcoholic really needs to convince himself a lot, yeah? So it, 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 he does set up hoops. And so by having it a formal thing, it's more convincing to the head that you're really serious about this stuff, yeah? That's how I feel about it. I just like when you, writ, when you wrote the four-step inventory, it made it gave you a feeling of really belonging in the club because you actually did something from four through nine. You actually, those are the working steps. And in a lot of ways, this is a healing of this action figure and all of its complexities. And probably the last one who, who's going to believe that he deserves it or she deserves it is the patient itself. So, I think it has to be formal. Just like they say in a, when you do the fifth step, you can't just do a fourth step and keep it to yourself. You need it to share it with another person because that's sort of a humbling experience that provokes some uh, new, new conditions that are gonna be beneficial for you finishing the rest of the steps. So the, the, the humbling of one's self yeah, by making it a man goes a long way. And also just the willingness. A lot of times you're not called to act, but you're willing to go. Yeah. So the steps, uh, the ninth step was it needed to be a formal event where you went to that person and you you admitted what had happened and that and also state that you're willing never to do this to another person or to them again, if at all possible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I believe because of the severity of the alcoholism <laughs> and the addiction, it has to sort of be a formal event with a huge community to be supportive. Yes. <laughs> because uh, I would think mostly, you know, the alcoholic is going to try to take the easier, softer way at every chance. Yeah. Right. So, but yeah, so it's really a convincing of that, that sooner or later, hopefully you won't need to have to convince anymore. But in right. the beginning, it still has a lot of juice and there's, you gotta, and so the program isn't, you don't think yourself into right action, you act yourself into right thinking, yes? For real. That, that's how, that's what they, that's what they saw. You gotta, no, it's gotta be formal. You gotta do this. You gotta do that. You gotta do this to really convince, I, I really believe, to convince the patient that the possibility of being healed that they're sincere about, yeah? I mean, when I came into recovery, I didn't trust myself as far as I could throw myself. I had said tons of shit, but never did anything, yeah? I promised I was gonna change thousands of times and I didn't, I got loaded the next day or that day. Yeah, so yeah, I think that's why when it comes to uh, real addicts and real alcoholics, they need a program and they actually need a way of life. It's not just uh, 
they need a new set of principles and some support, yeah, for a period of time, maybe a long period of time. And after they don't need it, they really enjoy it. So they're now a part, they're a member of the community, not so much out of need, but out of like joy, to tell you the truth, and the opportunity to be used to help others just like them to recover from this seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. So yeah, I believe it's, uh, yeah, I think you need a, we need a, a program written down, 12 steps, yes, suggestions, follow the suggestions, pretty much like learning how to ride a bike, yeah. Thanks. Are, yeah. are you guys gonna do the formal numbers again? Yeah, I understand you're gonna keep keep this going, but will you go back to the numbers at some oh, point? No. Oh, no, it's up to Dave or whatever. Okay. Because I, I missed I have, the first couple I'm of sessions. Nice uh, yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll just go over it. I don't. It's just basically uh, it's an excuse to connect. Yeah, really. So yeah. Why don't we yeah, say but the number the, part formally is helping the 36, We're going to go over the 36 steps. <laughs> just keep going. We'll just add more steps. <laughs> it's just communication and possibility. Yes. So a lot of people do that, don't they? Anyway, next one. We've got um, G. You're unmuted, mate. <clears throat> All right, thanks. Hi, Paul. I'm G. Alcoholic. Yeah, uh, I saw you the other day. Brilliant, brilliant. I liked what you said. The course is already set. Now, I don't know how to word this, but I've gone through the steps, and um, there's two people who I can't make amends to. I've wrote them letters. Uh, I'll describe what one is my ex-girlfriend. She has a restraining order. I can't make an amends to her. The second one I'll describe as um, like a business partner who I work for who accused me of something which I didn't do. It turned ugly. And I did something in turn, which got the man in a bit of, you know, bother. Um, at the same time, this is a confusing bit, at the same time, I know I need to do an amends to this man, but I feel very strongly in wanting to kill the man too. And it bothers me daily. Like, I, it comes to me, not often, but even during this meeting when you were describing the amends, and I'm thinking, I can't make amends to that fucking guy. Do you know what I mean? But I know I need, do you know what I'm saying? I don't know if you, I, yeah. I don't know if you understood that. Yeah? <clears throat> yes. But remember, it's, it's, uh, it's just about your side of the street. Yeah? The amend isn't for him. The amend is for you. Yeah, but if if I made the amend, it would in turn probably get it would definitely get me in trouble. It's a dangerous. Oh well, therefore, yeah. So, um, again, just like I shared about with the warrants, just stay willing. Ask that power that you hopefully you're intimate with to uh, to help you to have the willingness to do what you need to do concerning this. Yeah. Mm. And be open to uh, 
be open to the dictates, you know. So, yeah, if you're not willing to do it now, then you're not willing to do it now. Uh, but stay open to the possibility that you let you you're possible to be willing about doing it later. Yeah. Yeah. How would yeah. be a good way to not think about it, to not have it <laughs> yeah? <By> doing the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I can't. But it's a dangerous See, that's one. The dilemma. <laughs> that's the dilemma. I don't want to do the amen, but the amen probably would <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a sponsor in this program? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you, is there sponsoring going on? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he told me just keep the awareness, just just be because you know if you go out and and if there is because there is friction, just be aware. Well, just, then be ready right, to do it. So, so listen to his suggestion, and if you need a skillful means, go out and go to a meeting, and, which you can try to be of service somehow. Yeah, pick some shit up, make your bed, whatever. You don't want the head to start obsessing on you because it'll just eat you up, yeah? So, and if you're outmatched and you can't just sit there and comprehend the word serenity when this is occurring, you got to take an action, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a flexibility. There's no rigid way, yeah? They put out a program, but the... The subtlety is us yeah, moving through it. So you must be an expert at distracting yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. But it's just, um, see, when it, cre when it comes back to me, I get put in two places. It puts me in a place where A, I should kill him, and then B, it should be an amends. And it's it's fair, it's fair. And then and, and I can't make an amends. I feel obviously I can't. And um yeah. Well you're not gonna kill him, so you better <laughs> open up to a possibility of seeing it in different ways because that black and white thing isn't working. Yeah. 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 How about hey, I don't wanna do the amend and I don't wanna kill him, but I'm willing to, you know. If the right situation, circumstance, of course, I didn't make amends because if they had me going to jail, yeah, mm. I didn't want to go to jail after I got off the streets in the first month. I mean, <laughs> I got a, I got a letter. I don't know if I should say this on here, but I was living in San Francisco. I was about nine years sober, eight years sober. I get a letter <laughs> from back east, and it says the top. You know, the thing is that the fugitive squad. And so it was It was the authorities from my county where I used to live telling me I've got to come back here and give myself up to the court. So immediately I was, I, I was going to buy a one-way ticket, right? <laughs> I'm not going to go to New York and surrender myself to the authorities. <laughs> what, are you crazy? <laughs> so I said... Luckily, my brother-in-law worked, he was an attorney for a judge, and I called him up, and I said, hey, Peter, can you check out? I got this weird, weird letter there. They're asking me, they're telling me I got to come back to Nassau County and give myself in, and they didn't specify the charge, so can you look at the charge? So he, he went and looked at it, 
and it was way old, but see, they recycle some of the shit, yeah, every time. And so, and I said, well, what am I gonna do? And he says, well, just don't come back to New York. <laughs> so that's what I did. I didn't go back to New York, probably past the statute of limitations. So I don't know, bro, don't, don't believe your own, well, it's not your own. That black and whiteness, it's, yeah. it's not either it's not either or just freaking stay in the program and watch how i i felt like i shared it about the willingness growing yeah because mm. more and more on some level that you see it works you're more and more willing to let it work yeah mm. and maybe you're going to do something that you would never thought you're going to do and you'll probably be surprised about the results he talks about it in the ninth step so many situations I was sure was going to really be screwed and miraculously somehow it worked out. Yeah. 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 Thanks Paul. Yeah. Yeah. You okay with that Paul? Hey, okay. you're right with that for the next one. Yeah. 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 Great. Okay. Maggie, you're unmuted. Hi, Maggie, alcoholic. Um, so I, um, I've been listening these last few weeks, and I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, but I keep listening because every time I listen, I start crying. Can you, uh, Maggie? Can you speak up a little bit? I'm having yeah. trouble here. Yeah, bring it closer. That'd be great. Thank you. There we go. So, um, so something keeps drawing me back to listen because there's something in me that knows there's some crazy deep truth in what you're saying. Um, I'll be 31 years on May 3rd and I feel like maybe I'm just now realizing what alcoholism is and this uh, idea that it's this manifestation of my mind. Um, so I just literally like in 10 days been hearing, like hearing the voices from a different perspective. Like I'm conscious of my thoughts throughout the day and how fucking maddening they are. And it's reminding me from when I was like 14, the relief that came from that very condition when I drank was so great. It was like, I didn't think at 14 I could make it. And when I drank, I thought, okay, okay. And now I'm 55, I'm 30 years sober. I've been through the steps many times, but I feel like I'm just waking up to a whole other level of this idea, this duality thing. And so when you read those promises today, I'm thinking of what you're talking about, not alcohol and not like, I don't know, everything is different. So now when you say that, you know, we um, knew a new freedom and a new happiness, we don't regret the past. All I'm thinking about is that mental condition. Like, oh my God, if I could be relieved of that. And, um, so I have two questions. One is, I don't know really how I would relate this. Of course, I don't know what I'm talking about yet, but 
um, how I would ever relate this to somebody who's new and it, if you can even do that. Um, and then, um, I'm hoping that in like uh, 10, 11, 12, when you talk about it, maybe I'll understand more about how it is that I could be this sober this long and still be having this. Like I, I keep returning to this space of um, intolerable situation. Um, I don't know if you get a question out of that, but... Uh, yeah, I do. My question is like, how do I? How can I be sober this long and have gone through the steps so many times and still find myself here? Well, you. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe you've been there a while and now you're finding that there's a new possibility. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and just. Just as you feel you're in good hands concerning recovery, yes, you're in good hands this also. Yeah, and your share was perfect. It's sort of like, a lot of times we're almost like an aperture of a camera, yes? And we get to see it and then it becomes sort of like a tunnel vision. And sometimes life just decides to open up that aperture. So then more is revealed. Like it says in the vision for you, this power is going to constantly reveal to us more. Yeah. Well, you're at that point. Yeah. That's yeah. right. And you're, maybe you get to the exact nature of the wrong. And the exact nature in the wrong, well, maybe you're going to find that out. And there's a lot of, uh, you're going to get a, a blowback for fucking for sure. Yeah, because once you get to the system, really to uh, it's like source code area. It brings out the you know the old guns. You're never gonna get. You know what I mean? It brings out the big fucking arsenal. But that's a good sign. Yeah, and if you can, when you see that stuff, that stuff now that used to call you as not you, there's six and seven. You can use the steps right there. Ask that which you're seeing as not you finally to be reconfigured and then ask that power to remove it or reconfigure it. Yeah. Just, uh, it's just like making an amend. You're making a declaration. I'm entirely ready to have this removed. Yeah. And then you ask that power to remove it. I like the word reconfigure it. So more is being revealed. And basically in a way, it's just like love demanding itself from you. Really. What? Yeah. Say it again? It's like love demanding itself from you. Yeah, it's a beautiful operation. It's not. It's nothing to be worried about. You have a. You have a lot of community that will support you, and just get. It's like getting undone. Yeah. Yeah. So what? So other possibilities can show up. Yeah. If there's a huge one, big huge possibility that's always there and it's blocking a lot of other stuff, that has to be undone for the other possibilities to become apparent, yeah? The whole step nine step is demonstrating that. A large amount of the impediments to possibilities was sufficiently removed that now you have a new freedom and a new happiness, yeah? There was a precondition for that new freedom and new happiness. The old shit had to be changed, yes? 
Just like in the third step, we don't turn our will and life over to care of a higher power. We make a decision because at that point, our will and life is in, in on our control. We've been taken over, yeah, by something. And that something has to be weakened, which is the working steps, sufficiently so that the higher power, yes, can now be what's delivering the goods through you into life. Not the fucking parasite, but that power, yeah? And so more and more keeps getting revealed because to me, the exact nature of the wrong is identification with something that you're not really. They, they represent it as self. Yeah, and it says self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. So this mistake of taking myself to be something else manifests all these fucking other possibilities that defeat me. Yeah. So it says self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. Yeah. So how did self defeat me? It didn't come out from the outside. It's inside. It's talking as me. It's, it's clouding my view. It's making me, it's, it's, it's causing, it is, it's causing me to see resent threats when there aren't threats. It's causing me to be totally affected by what's not happening while I'm in what's happening. It's incredible. It's an incredible takeover. And it, it was happening before the drinking, and it's still happening after the drinking. Yeah. The drinking just sort of took away the amplifier. The acoustic guitar is still strumming, but now it's not electrified. Yeah, It's taken that away, and your life gets better. Yeah, the loudness of it dims down. You're not fucking acting out every three days. You're not all this stuff. And there's a lot to be grateful for for that. But the jobs, in a sense, isn't done because the bondage of self was there before you were drinking, during your drinking, and after you stopped drinking. Yeah. He doesn't... It's the, it's the bondage of self. And how, how would you call the bondage of self? It's the act of being identified with, with a mental image, basically. And we're bound by that identification and our self can manifest through us and it defeats us through its manifestations. Yeah. 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 So we do an inventory basically to see how self has defeated us so that we can recognize it as other than us. See, that's this greatest hiding place. When you run into it in your life, you call it me. It's got carte blanche. It's like, it's, we're just assuming it's me all day. Yeah. And so it's like a perfect strategy for a very hostile parasite. It convinces the host that it's the host. Yeah. What do you, so how's the host going to get free from the parasite if it thinks it's the host? It can't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's why we have a new freedom and a new happiness. Because hopefully we've seen that which we called us as other. Yeah. And when that happens, when you see the parasite of alcoholism as other than you, then a new freedom and a new happiness becomes available. Not as the parasite, but from the parasite. Yeah? And all those qualities aren't for the parasite. They're not, they weren't brought to us by the parasite. They're, they're from the parasite. Yeah? All the descriptions of what happens in the Ninth Step Promises is a demonstration of the, the influence of the parasite has been diminished, then these possibilities become available, yeah? 
That's how I see it. You know, I have 32 years and I've been observing and I'm watching, you know, we're conscious. We're not two levels below a coconut. Yeah. I can see a lot in my own life. And I, I saw, and I, I saw, I saw self as a foreign thing. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm never going to know me. I'm going to know what I'm not. And by knowing what I'm not, as not me, I find out about me. I find out about me. Yeah. By knowing the disease of alcoholism as not me, I find out about me. And that me I am can comprehend the word serenity. It can know peace. Yeah. It can have a new freedom and a new happiness. It can lose interest in self and gain interest in others. All of those things are possible, but not as self but from it, yeah? That's all. Just had a distinction that was made so profoundly uh, when I was about eight years sober, and it's never changed. I saw it, and I, that's, that was that, yeah? And then, of course, it affected the way I saw the program. Yeah? Of course it did, because... I found the exact nature of the wrong is a, is a, a misidentification with something, really. Yeah. And that all the addictions are really to get relief from that addiction, the mental addiction to this idea of being Paul. It's obsessed, completely obsessed. It's all that it thinks about, basically. Yeah? Can you imagine if you have kids, maybe 40,000 thoughts about those kids? You've had 40 zillion thoughts about Paul. <laughs> I mean, it's just mind-boggling. <laughs> That's how it reinforces itself, to think about it, yes? The obsession, the biggest obsession is that is the one that has obsessions, yes? The biggest obsession is with self, yeah? Yeah. yeah. And maybe it's not you, truly. Maybe it isn't. Maybe you aren't a mental and physical condition that has to get a spiritual condition. Maybe you and I are a spiritual condition. Yeah? Maybe we are the condition we're trying to have manufactured. Maybe we are that condition. Maybe the steps are something that just diminishes the mental condition. It doesn't amplify the spiritual condition. The spirit is... There's no spiritual malady. There's no, where would a malady appear in spirit? There's no body. There's no thing to go wrong. The spirit, I would say, this, our, where we start is of a spiritual nature, yes? And what we experience is a physical, mental nature. But what we are of is a spiritual nature. So to me, the highest form of a spiritual condition is being a spiritual condition. It's very difficult to maintain the con spiritual condition as a mental, physical condition. Try it. I did. Yeah. First, it's a weekend retreat. Then it's a week retreat. Then a three-month retreat. And on and on and on and on and on. And then the seeking for a spiritual condition becomes another addiction. Yeah. It's all about you, too. It's always all about you. Wanting to know God is all about the knower of God, you. It's always you, 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 you. That's the illness. 
You think spiritual seeking doesn't, isn't a field of addiction? It's a complete field of addiction. I speak at other groups. They are in a lot of trouble because there's no interventions. You can go to a spiritual meeting forever. No one's going to come in and say, you've had enough. This isn't working. You know, no, there's no committee that says when you sign up for the 30th retreat, you can't go on any more retreats, bro. It's obviously fucking not working. It's become an addictive fucking thing. Yeah. And I'm way here to help you. There's none of that. You just keep on keeping on. And all, in a sense, all that's being reinforced is what you're not. But that's what yeah. I've done with the steps. Let's go through the steps huh? again. Let's go through the steps don't again. Go, don't go through the steps again right now. Yeah. Well, don't go through them anymore. For now, I'm just giving you an individual Yeah. Stop yeah. that. And just, you know, man, you know, we want to make ourselves okay in a fear that we really are okay in a lot of ways. Yeah? It's more secure if I made myself okay. No, just being okay is wild in a certain way because it's not dependent on anything, really. Yeah, that's, that's something that can be relied on. Yeah, something that has nothing to do with you is the most reliable, yeah? Because if I believe I, I produce the condition of spirituality, I also believe I can unproduce that condition. Yeah, there's no peace in that. This is, you know, everyone finds their own thing. I'm just sharing how it panned out with me. Because I, you know, just, if the shoe fits, wear it. I'm just putting out shoes. Yeah? I do not believe that the self is fine and dandy and it's just a little overactive. And if you got enough esteem, the self would become like a service animal or, or domesticated. It's a parasite. <laughs> You're not gonna make it a friend, yeah? So, yeah. Hey, thank you, honey. Thank you for that share and stay in touch. If you don't, uh, yeah. you can get my information if you want to. Yeah. As I said, yeah. zenbitchslap.com, everything's there. So, yeah, that, and then awesome. I'll, hopefully, I won't forget and I'll actually respond. That was awesome. Thank you very much. Okay, next um, is Jeffrey. And after that, I think we'll put Samantha on after that. I think she lost a place there. So, we'll put her a bit. Jeffrey first. And uh, I think you have to, yeah, you'll go, mate. All right. Thank you, uh, David. Oh, hi, Paul, again. Uh, it's Jeffrey. Uh, it's fun to ask you questions. Um, I would say one thing before I ask my question, Paul, uh, Maggie, pick one of Paul's talks and keep listening to the same one, maybe two or three times or even 10. That's what helped me. If you just keep listening to the same one and then it just, it becomes more clear. Anyways, uh, Paul, thanks for your unique take on the steps. All right. You say in your non-dualism groups, um, you will see the tree by the fruits and wear the spiritual shoes set out or continue being clouded and led by the self until you don't. Okay. Now, would you say that sort of uh, dichotomy is comparable here in AA to either getting the program or going out for more research until you get the program? 
Mm. Yeah, well, because the, the being convinced is essential. Yeah. Mm. So what it, in hindsight, whatever it took for that to occur has an incredible value. Yeah. And AA, in a way, is mostly surrender. Yeah. So you've come to a point where you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And it seems a little bit, uh, you can see through your blaming others and all the rationale and excuses of the system. And there hits a point where there's an admitting to the innermost, wherever that may be, it's not in the head. And then something that surrender, it's a guy, a famous psychiatrist that worked with alcoholics calls it an unconscious event. That surrender, I lost you, bro. <laughs> That's a, that surrender, if it has sufficient enough juice, yeah, it can, it can find momentum and traction here. Well, the big booster for any kind of surrender is the way of life of recovery. Yeah. Because you can have a, a, a deep, deep surrender and know you're completely fucked and that night get loaded again. Yeah. There's got to be a certain quality of grace because that's what happened with me. I sort of got struck sober, and uh, that would have probably been forgotten in a day or two. But life conspired for me looking for a place to stay that I was brought to an AA meeting. And I haven't been, I've never gone, I've never stopped going for 32 years. So the idea of surrender to me is just a rude awakening of the failedness of what you've been relying on. Yeah which it says in AA, it says it beautifully. It says, why are you in, why are we in so much fear today? Isn't it because self-reliance has failed us? Yeah. So basically, if you look at that statement, self-reliance is the cause of anxiety and fear. Yeah. Now we believe fear causes a lot of stuff, but we don't rarely, we rarely see what's causing fear. And he's putting it as self-reliance. And to me, self-reliance, the highest form of reliance would be identification as, yeah? You can't be more relied on something than calling it you, yeah? So I believe it's, it's the identification as self. So when you've lived under that, that tyranny and finally the whole thing collapses and there's a being convinced, yeah? And I would say most of AA is based on that modality. Surrender first, yes? Yeah, like being convinced is, is, I think, kind of a great way you phrase it. Well, they, that's what AA phrases it as. Yeah. Yeah, it's one yeah. of the first requirements for most of the steps. They go, all right, being convinced, we're now going to talk about self manifested in various ways. But it says you, there's got to be, it's saying that requirement for your investigation of self is being convinced that self is what has defeated us. That has to be at least a possibility. Yeah. So but I, you know yes. what, Paul, I got confused and you really helped uh, clarify this, that I was the alcoholic. I, I totally yeah. uh, didn't understand that or even agree with that. And then you've just totally used the book and it's right there in the book on page 64. When you mentioned yes. that, it's right there. It's the yes. self. Wow. Yes. Yeah. And then with that being convinced of, or at least just entertained, 
then you look at it in a different way. You know, instead of taking an inventory on your resentments, you're taking an inventory on a manifestation of selves, which is resentment, yes? And it gives you a different information. It's the same it's totally data. Different. It's you the just same put thing. it in. It, yeah. So it's the same thing like with the higher power. There's a, 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 a book that's called The Course in Miracles that a lot of people have been introduced to. Well, in the course, and this is just how I see it. The Course in Miracles has like this, the higher power is presented as the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And in a sense, what the Holy Spirit will do it will take the same information that's being collated by the brain that supports a self-centered view. It takes the same information, but interpret it completely different. Yeah. Into a new way of freedom and happiness. It's the same data. It's the same energy, but it's how it's being reconfigured. Yeah. So hopefully we've had enough of that failed GPS that we've been listening to most of our lives and we could never get free from it because we were identified as it now we've heard that hey we may not be that and if we're not that a lot more possibilities show up which is one of them is i can be free from it yeah you can be free from something you're not you can you cannot be free from something you are yeah if yeah so we need the freedom is from something we're not that's it yeah and so the whole idea of AA to me is being convinced. First, what I was convinced of, I had spent two years in a program, lived there, Delancey Street, two years. That's a lot of time. And when I left there, I graduated with flying colors. I was drunk the next week later, but graduated with flying colors. But I didn't like them. I didn't like their, the way they went about things. I didn't like the lady who ran it but I had to begrudgingly admit that my life looked better with them running it than it ever did with me running it. Yes. That's the third step. That's the spirit of the third step. Now I hadn't been introduced to the third step, but when I was, that came up. I had a life experience of it. The other, the obviousness where to the point is I could look at a lot of you people, not all of you, but most of you, and I'd be, I would do better if I turned my life over for you to run it than with me running it. It was just an obvious fact that my own vested interest is part of the problem, yeah? That was incredible. Now I didn't have, there was nothing to do with that information until I met AA and then AA triggered that information. And so I already had the spirit of the third step before I ever got introduced to the third step, yeah? Yeah. You gotta oh. unmute. Okay. okay. Yeah, so. So, Paul, just the final, uh, just make a final comment, if you, if you may, on what you mean. I thought, I think that was really brilliant about you take the data, but if, if you use the data as yourself, like that controlling self, trying to fix yourself, trying to reach spirituality, it's a fail. But if the spirit takes it, it's a totally different situation. Can you exactly on that a little more, just a little bit more? Exactly. Let's say like Jesus supposedly said, hey, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. Yes? Yes. Because the information will be collated differently. So what you weren't seeing before, you'll see. Just like Maggie, that lady before you shared. She was seeing selfing that she hadn't been seeing. Yeah? Though its effects were still there, 
it, the effects don't need to be seen. The effects are happening. Yeah, your That's life the is right. That's the something foreign. Yes. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that you have to see that. So now you have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. So for me, the higher power represents the same thing. You admit there's a big disconnect between you and the system that's talking as you. Yes? You, you, you're very clear the GPS, when I wanted to just to have fun, led me to jail most of the fucking time. You realize the system has failed. And if you don't know it's failed, any system that uses a lot of excuses, rationale, and blame is a failed system. If I had like a furniture delivery system, and every time I had an order, I delivered it on time in the condition it was pictured as, I would need no excuses, rationale, and blame, would I? Because I delivered the goods. The system hasn't delivered the goods. So all it does is uses excuses, rationale, and blame to, to cloud that. It's a failed system. It said it right in the book. Why are you in so much fear? Isn't it because self-reliance has failed us? Exactly. Self-reliance is unreliable. Completely. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Jeffrey. Good to see you. Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, now, Michael Stacey's had to go, but he's got. He's sent me a question he wants to ask you, which we'll ask after Samantha's had a go. So, Samantha, you are on. Hi, thank you. Thank you. Hello, Paul. Hello, everybody. My name is Samantha. I'm a recovering alcoholic. I'm delighted to be here this evening with you all. Um, my question is, my, the comment is this. I, I didn't pick up drinking alcohol until my 40s. And I were married 25 years with my husband 30 years. But now knowing... What I know about alcoholism, I had the isms for about 18 years of our marriage. I was crazy. You know, on no program. I did things, I said things, whatever. So I went through the program formula. I came in off, I came off the street, as they call it, and I did the 90 meetings, 90 days, and I still do that. But my problem is making amends with my husband. I'm doing the living amends. I just feel I'm not doing enough because it's on my conscience. I've handed it over to God on my higher power. I just feel it's not enough. Because looking back at all the things I did when I wasn't drinking, now he's a pioneer, he never drank. I had the ism before I picked up the drink. And the minute I picked up the drink, I just, the energy was there. I just drank to get drunk, blackout, do things. I guess for really five years, I was either in two states drunk or hungover for nearly five years of our marriage. And then came to the jumping off place and just decided I had enough. And I do accept a spiritual program. That's why I'm still sober today into this moment right now, just for today. And every day I do the same things. I rise, I go down on my knees, I do my unawakening, my step three, seven, and 11. And I do service and, and, and all so forth. But whatever it is, I thought it was going to be my easiest amend. I've tried to have a living amends. I'm doing all that. But it's turned out to be the hardest one for me to feel comfortable with. Yes, I've done enough. If you know what I'm trying to say, does that I don't know if that makes sense, but that I'm just find difficult. Yes, I do. But I would question that thing that's telling you, have you done enough? Because for that, if it's coming from where I think it's coming from, it will never be enough. Yeah. Yes. That's what so, I thought too. I, so I would go with the living amends. Yeah. We're not yeah. that that important, to tell you the truth. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. With I just a, stay going with 11 minutes. I just, I just, I just, I just, I just, and shit. Yeah. 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 So, probably just beat myself the, up. Yeah. The living amend is probably enough, but hey, if you have a sponsor, I would speak about it. But the selfing is tricky, you know, it, it goes in there and it, uh, I had, I've worked with people where I had to tell them to stop taking inventory. Okay. They were just writing about the most minute shit. It was just complete obsession with self. They weren't enjoying mm -hmm. sobriety at all. They were just going over every motive that could possibly go through their head. They, yeah. they even came over to my house. They were going to get this huge uh, inheritance, like $250,000 or something like that, or maybe a million dollars. And all they were doing was bitching to me. Oh, it's going to create me difficulties in my life. I said, well, then kick down some cash. Give me 70000 <laughs> Enjoy yeah. it. You know, yeah. it was just insane. I couldn't believe it. You can find fault in anything. So sometimes... You know, maybe there's a dog pack up there. One of them is still infected. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was thinking careful. that could be. Yeah, but I think you're right. Maybe it's obsession of self. I must look at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That you have I would look enough. at enough. The mayor yeah. culpas. Yeah, keep beating myself up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. A little. Yeah, it's not gonna. That doesn't go well. Because okay. it's never enough. It it presents a reason, and it ain't the reason. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It presents a reason why you need to do something, but that isn't even the reason. Yeah. It just wants the attention. It wants the. That's what it thrives on. It thrives on your light, so to speak. Yeah. Because uh, I suppose, in a way, I'm probably still not spiritually well. You know, emotional sobriety is a very hard thing well to achieve. <laughs> You're completely well spiritually. Completely. Okay. You got a tip-top exam mentally and emotionally. You may okay. be a little bit, <laughs> bit shaky. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. The spirit, the spirit is totally, totally solid in an okay. unsolid way. Yeah. There's <laughs> nothing. It doesn't need to be blown up, or it's just, it's okay. completely. Yeah. Yeah. That's the great reliance. See that the way I would conceptualize the higher power is always available at all times yeah. no matter where i am mm -hmm. with no requirement necessary to meet it yeah, yeah. it just yeah. is me, it me too just yeah. is, so are you yeah because the only so the only person is going to be with me between me and that drink is going to be me and my higher power you know it's he's with me all the time and i rely on my higher power all day long yeah so I won't, yeah. so I'm not codependent on people because they're human beings. I, I understand. So maybe I just stop, come down off the cross for a while. Maybe I should just come down off the cross. And yeah, yeah, please. yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's a better view. It. It's a better <laughs> view. Yeah, yeah. Listen, thanks very much. I enjoyed your talk. Thank you. Good right. night. Yes, good to see you. Yes. Okay, thanks very much. That was great. Um, just uh, so Michael's left, but he's asked me to read this question to you and, and he wants to listen to the recording later on. So it goes something like this, this is from Michael. <clears throat> My question is, as a child, I lived in many different countries and harmed many businesses by stealing shit. I can't even remember the countless items. How do you suggest making right those wrongs? I would love to go to Europe and South America to make direct amends, but financially impossible at the moment. The willingness is with me. 
and that's it. Well, if he has a sponsor, he could speak to them and maybe he can donate stuff to a charity or something like that. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of ways. Sometimes, you know, uh, yeah, I don't think I need to go to seven continents and, you know, pray for forgiveness. I just don't think I'm, I don't, most of the people shit I did, they don't even, they forgot. They don't even, they didn't even notice it. It's more the willingness. Yeah. The willingness to do it. And so give it to charity or something. Yeah. 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 Something like that. Yeah. But I would work with a sponsor. That's the type of stuff you'd like to share with, with uh, a sponsor. Yeah. 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 Okay. All good. Thank you very much. So that was the um, the last question. I just said do, before we wrap it up, uh, Paul, is there anything that you want to say this week? Anything you want to talk about? Finish it off with? No, no, no. I'm, uh, I get. I really, um, I really enjoy looking at the squares and meeting people. Yeah, like Daz up there, and Daz was pu putting out some heavy smoke. Like looked like he was in the cloud there. And uh, Tracy and all these people and G from last week. It's really nice to see everyone. And Sydney, an old friend, Mike. Mike is uh, does most of the organization and development of ZenBitchSlap.com. So Howard, all these people from Oklahoma. Let me go through. And then let's see. We got B over there, B Williams, Nor. Very close by, Jane over there, Gary, Therese. Nice to see you, Teresa. Uh, who's this? Hold on, I gotta wait a minute. What happened? I'm losing some of them. Diana, Art, Art again from somewhere in New Mexico. Kim, yes. Uh, Luke, nice to see you, Luke. Bernard, keep it simple. Stevie, Maggie. Kristen, Ashley, Jeff, Alex, Dara. Uh, see, David, he's the guy who set all this up uh, in New Yorkshire. Chris, nice to see you. Jeffrey, Monique, one of my favorite uh, non-people in the world. Brandy, Graham, Donna, Alan. Alan, yes, you look comfortable, Alan. Dan, there. Dan W. Let's see. Uh, Howard in LA in a car. Hopefully not driving right now. Michelle from, there she is. Steve. Uh, some other, Donna again, Alan. I can't see the other people. They're not sharing their faces. So, hey, I want to thank everyone. And uh, again, we'll be, if you want to explore other ideas, Saturday at 1.30. Pacific time or at seven Wednesday Pacific time. And then we'll be here Thursday. Today's Thursday. We'll be here Tuesday. Tuesday and Thursday. And Tuesday we'll do, uh, we'll do 10. Maybe we should stay a while on 10, 10 and 11. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll do 10 cool. and 11. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much. Thanks for thank having you. me in your little uh, isolation. Yeah.
and just yeah. um just finally as i say just remember at zenbitchslap.com where you can oh. find a load of load of stuff there and um just for everyone just um spread the word it's great numbers are picking up and it's really it's really awesome this is such an important message so yeah we'll see you on tuesday and thursday um and it's been great so thank you very thank much you. thank you dave thank you for setting this up no worries it's great it's great man the least i could do see you later everyone <laughs>